Last month, uh, my the church where I've been called to pastor, it's a church plant or a mission work. It's a, it's a new congregation, celebrated five years of public worship, which was a big milestone for us. God has blessed Mercy Hill richly. He has accomplished much. We've grown from scratch, one or two curious families, notwithstanding, to more than two dozen families. Many of us are connecting with non-Christians and people who don't believe in the Lord, not only on Sunday, but also in our regular lives throughout the week with the love of Christ in word and deed. We're organizing our ministries. We're setting up staff and systems. We have a good group of men who are aspiring to the office of elder or deacon, preparing for ordination, and even now beginning the work of pastoring the church, serving in mercy ministry. God has given us financial strength, both through local giving, which covers a significant portion of our annual budget, and also through outside support, which comes from churches like Desert Springs. We have our own space that's dedicated for weekly worship and things that we do during the week for activities and gatherings and meetings. We call it the church house, and as Steve mentioned, we hope to make improvements to that church house in the coming year, which will help us to connect better with people who aren't expecting to worship in a warehouse. In fact, Mercy Hill as a whole is in some ways an illustration of what I hope to preach this morning. That's not a coincidence. My title this morning is God's Story Continues. And I'll be picking up the phrase from the beginning of Acts that goes something like this, all that Jesus began to do and teach, insert my title, God's Story Continues. I hope to show you that God's story, as we find it in the book of Acts, carries on the story that Jesus began to do and teach. So in this sense, Luke's gospel, Luke also wrote Acts, is part one of God's story. Acts is part two. And this church and Mercy Hill are part of a very large part three. What God began in the life, death, and resurrection of his Son and our Lord Jesus continues into the early church and even to this very day. In the life of every single person that's listening to me this morning, whether or not you believe, God is writing his story in your life. He's writing it in the lives of every person in this world. And in fact, every person that you will meet today is part of God's story, because God's story continues. So let's turn together to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I have the benefit of having preached this already, so if it sounds good, I'll attribute it to the fact that I ironed out all the wrinkles. If it sounds bad, I don't know what I'll blame. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, this is God's word. I'll read the first five verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach 
until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Father in heaven, as we now turn to the understanding and the explanation of your word that's been read, would you, would you open my mouth that I might speak the truth of God? Would you Would you bless the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts that they be acceptable in your sight? Would you shine a light on our path for we live in a dark world? Cause us indeed to shine like lights in the universe. Amidst a crooked and perverse generation, may we shine like stars that all may see and believe that you indeed are the one and only God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I like to watch movies. It's a hobby. It's expensive. Because I don't just go to Redbox. I like to actually go to the theater and get popcorn. And that takes some money. So I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. But I've noticed something. There's been a lot of comic book movies coming out lately. Maybe you like comic book movies. There's a trick to watching a comic book movie. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. <laughs> Stay through the credits. Hmm? See? What happens in a comic book movie after the credits are done? You get a preview of the next movie. Now it's a crafty trick that they play it on us because they show you just enough to make you curious to want to go see it, which has the effect of helping balance their budget. <laughs> and there's always a hook in that little, little tiny preview. Something like the, uh, the sand at the bottom of the ocean starts to move and the villain that you thought was dead, the green hand comes up out of the sand with with a, with a grasped fist or something like that. You're like, whoa, I thought they killed him. Or the, the hero might have died and there's signs of life. I put all of these previews under the banner of to be continued. And I think that's a helpful way to, to look at the book of Acts. Because as Luke's gospel comes to an end, there is a majestic preview of what is about to happen. Jesus, you see, in Luke chapter 9, begins to set his face toward Jerusalem, which means the cross. And for 10 chapters, we see him marching towards his death and breaking into the story in Luke's gospel four or five times are statements like, I must go to Jerusalem. 
or the Son of Man must suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the elders. And then it happens. And Jesus is dead. And, and the disciples, understandably, are thrown into confusion. They had thought, and we see this even on the very night of his betrayal, Peter drawing his sword, thinking about one thing when Jesus had something else in mind. And so the movie of Jesus' life, in a sense, comes to an end. And then the third day, he rises from the dead. And he appears to many people in different ways. And in these appearances, which we actually have a short summary here of some of them, he presented himself in my text, verse 3, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. One of those most famous sermons, or at least a, a summary of that sermon, is known as the Road to Emmaus, where two men are walking and talking about what happened to Jesus and all these events in Jerusalem, and a strange man joins them and says, what's going on, boys? And they're like, are you the only one in this entire city who has no idea what's been happening over the last few days? And they tell Jesus the gospel. And he's like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. And so as they walk, he shows them and tells them some of this preview And so in Acts chapter 1, which is where we are, Luke tells us what he's just told us in just a few lines. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach to be continued. I want you to fix your attention on that one word, began, because Luke is telling us that what he wrote about in the first volume was not the whole story. Luke's gospel is what Jesus began to do and teach. It's not everything. Just like that comic book movie, To Be Continued, those words hang over Luke's gospel. And Luke is telling us in the very first lines of Acts that this is the continuing story that he wrote about at first. What Jesus started to do and teach is continuing in this book. So it probably shouldn't be called the Acts of the Apostles, should it? Because it's the continuing work of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' continuing story. Now, he definitely uses the apostles. And before the story is over, all of them will give up their lives in witness. My point is this, that the story of God's work in the world at that time began in many ways with Christ, but it continues even to our lives today. It's as if there's a movie that is your life with these words to be continued. Well, this is encouraging right off the bat. He's not done with you. He has work to do, and he wants you to be involved. I'll unpack this thought a little more later, but I think we need to take a look at why this is such an important message for us to hear today. 
Why do we need to hear to be continued? Why do you need to hear that God is still working in the world? I think perhaps you have noticed that society is changing rapidly around us, morally, technologically, spiritually. Many people, and you might be one of these people, live their lives as if God didn't exist, as if. It's a kind of a a long-term experiment. Let's see if I can make this thing work without reference to a transcendent being. My horizon, my gaze, strictly and solely fixed on this human horizon. As someone told me last week as I was talking to them about their faith, I believe heaven and hell are this life only. If that's you, or if that's someone you know, you need to know that God's story continues. Singer-songwriter Ben Gibbard, speaking in a poem about a, a lover's death, says, I'll follow you into the dark. That summarizes so many people's perspective today. There is no story, because there is no author, there is no God. Philosophical naturalists, authors, literary critics, sophisticated people of all kinds, scientific atheists, all claim that the order, the structure, the movement, the beauty that we see is the product of random chaotic forces, not a creative, genius God, not a story arc. We need to know that God's story continues. And even if that isn't your viewpoint, you are affected by it, aren't you? Every day, someone who professes faith in God, a theist, someone who says, I believe in God, is constantly drawn away into an atheistic existence, functionally living as if there were no God, as if there wasn't a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end, with a climax. And so we wind up living lives like everyone else. We, me, all of us do. There's a tension for a follower of Jesus Being in the world, but not of the world. Are you witnessing to the world of the story of God and the eternity that's coming? Or is the world influencing and witnessing to you about how this is all there is? We need this. We need to know that God's story continues. And even when we do manage to keep God in our sights, we always seem to add something else to it, don't we? So it's Jesus and my career. It's Jesus and my relationship. It's Jesus and my kids, my reputation, my opinion. I'm good at that. I'm I'm the mouth of the church. So that's where my sins come from, too. So it's 
for me, often Jesus and my opinion. Now, I'm being honest with you. What, what is your gift? Which is also your and. God doesn't have to use our gifts. He's not obligated to give us anything. Christ is sufficient. And so even though we keep God in our sights, we'll often bring something else in there. It turns from a trinity to some foursome. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and insert your pleasure of choice. Sometimes this looks like your agenda. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and my agenda. And so we talk about a Christian worldview. Do you know what that is? That's seeing life, all of life, through the lens of Scripture and learning to think like a Christian as you read the papers or as you study for an exam or as you engage in a discussion about whatever, music or anything. That's a Christian worldview. What does Jesus have to say about uh, the humanities, about the sciences and so forth? But there's a Christian life view. I think some of us, especially in, a, in the evangelical tradition and Reformed tradition, going back to the Protestant Reformation, we're content with a worldview that sits between our ears, but it doesn't quite make itself out into our lives. So we talk about irresistible grace as a, as a doctrine, a precious doctrine inherited from our Protestant forefathers. But our lives are very much resistible by other people who don't experience irresistible grace in and through us. If God's story is continuing, then we should be able to see that working itself out in our lives. There's a kind of more and more about the Christian life. Proverbs 4, the the path of the righteous is the rising sun, which shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. If God's story is continuing, then he's not done with you yet, and others should be able to see that. We want leaders in the church, elders and deacons, and all kinds of leaders, men and women, to be able to have a good reputation, as it says in the old King James, with them that are without. Would your neighbors be able to say, you know what, I would hire that guy in a minute. I am so glad he's my neighbor, or she's my, my uh, colleague, my cubicle mate. I think we need to know that God's story continues also in terms of our commitment to the church. The church of Jesus Christ. Pastor Steve told me to preach on this point. (laughs) All that Jesus began to do and teach, Acts chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the rest of Acts. The apostles and the prophets become the foundation of the church. They are sitting in, in, in thrones and they will judge the 12 tribes of Israel. The church is not passe. The church is not a parenthesis. The church is not Uh, an afterthought for God. The church is the program, his continuing work, his, the ascended Christ, continues to preside in this world through the church, which is the visible expression of the kingdom of God. We are his servants. We are his subjects. And this is his kingdom, the church. 
All that he began to do and teach continues in the church. As apostolic men and godly men and women gather around the word and sacrament. I think we need this word today. What did he do? What did he teach? He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And I think he went like this. He said, let the little children come to me and hinder them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. He said, unless you repent and become like little children, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, unless you're born again, born from above, you will not enter the kingdom. That's what he taught. He said, I did not come for the righteous, but I came for the sinner. He said, the healthy don't need a physician. It's the sick. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. He said, the Son of Man comes to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, I have a baptism to undergo. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. In sum, he came to do what he didn't have to do so that he might inherit a kingdom that he invites all men and women, adults and children, red and yellow, black and white, every tribe, tongue, and nation. He invites, no, he commands all people to come into his kingdom. That's what he did. That's what he taught. How does the story continue? It's as if it goes like this. I've told you a story beginning with the virgin birth and ending with my ascension into heaven or his ascension into heaven, Luke says. Many things this Jesus did and many things this Jesus said. What I'm telling you now, Theophilus, is what I've already said was merely the beginning of the doing and teaching ministry of Jesus, not the end. The book that you now have in your hands, Theophilus, is the rest of what he did. And when you're done reading it, you'll know what you have to do. God's story continues. There's some tension here that I think we need to face. And I think it's helpful. It will help you see how God's story continues in your life. We tend to think that when things are bad, God isn't working. And when things are good, he is. God often works the other way around. I know that personally. There's something about the work of God that's finished. But there's something about the work of God that's unfinished. So the fact that he began to do and teach, Luke joining Acts as one story, two volumes, also can be said of our lives in a way that there's something about our lives that's the gospel of Luke. He lived, he died, he rose again, done. It is finished, is what he said. But then there's something about our lives that's the acts of the apostles. Suffering and persecution and hardship 
as Paul would say, nakedness, famine, peril, and sword. And you read about all that in Acts. And if, and if Jesus did all that, you, you might be tempted to think, why is all this happening? It is something of a riddle. Finished, but not done. Well, there were clues. It isn't that Jesus left us in the dark on this when he was alive. He did warn us, greater things than these will you do. I'm going to the cross. Not to fix your life. We can't cover it this morning, but Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the disciples, after 40 days of a master's class instruction in theology of the kingdom, say, is it at this time that you will now restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus is going, oy vey. (laughs) Father, these are the ones. They need the Holy Spirit. Greater things. So our response, our work continues based on what he started in us. Christians get this wrong, you know. We go to Acts without reading Luke. We want to keep spreading the news without receiving the news. You can't tell a story if you haven't heard a story. You can't share what you don't have. So Luke necessarily comes first. That is to say, what he began to do and teach is first, first in your life. That is the accomplished fact of your salvation, your redemption, which has been secured, signed, sealed, and delivered, guaranteed by the shed blood of Christ. Now you go. We are who we are because he is who he is We love because he first loved us. What I've been encouraging our congregation, I will encourage you that we need to remember that we are called by God to continue the work of the gospel, the good news. Someone asked me yesterday, yesterday, I was in Tucson yesterday, and I was visiting with a friend of mine. She says, if she were to become a Christian, she'd want to be one like me. I said, if I were to be a non-Christian, I want to be one like you, so we're even. (laughs) Some of you are scratching your heads with that one. I'll let you think about it. What is the gospel, Pastor Phil? That's a nice question to get, isn't it? I said, the gospel is what happened when the emperor won the battle and he sent messengers back to the city to tell them that we won. Get ready, we're going to have a party. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's trumpets, it's red carpets, it's feasting, it's, it's a year of celebration. We need to remember 
that we are called by God to continue the work of that gospel. We need to keep telling people that the king has come. Get ready. It's time to celebrate. Someone put it this way. I I liked this quote. The book of Acts ends with a comma. It actually does. There's no punctuation in Greek. But the last word in Acts, this will be a homework assignment, is unhindered. Which I take to be a motto for the church. Nothing constrains us. Jesus is installed as king. He has gifted his church, and we are to continue the work. To visualize this, I thought I'd share a little anecdote about the life of C.S. Lewis, and then I'll conclude with some action steps. I started recently reading a collection of essays by Lewis, gathered together by one of his friends, And the man who edited the book knew him, and and the introduction describes Lewis in this way. Lewis struck me as the most thoroughly converted man I ever met. Christianity was never for him a separate department of life, not what he did with his solitude, not even, as he says in one essay, what God does with his solitude. Rather, the description of Lewis continues in this way, quote, his whole vision of life was such that the natural and the supernatural were inseparably combined. Isn't that a great picture? Here's a man who knew that God's story continued, and it's permeated into every part of his life, and you can see it in his writings, too. The hope that we have is that God's story continues. So what are some action items? Briefly, three things. One, if you're one of those doubters, skeptics, scientists, you're from Missouri, show me. You need to believe the good news. And you say, how am I supposed to do that? Read this book. And you say, that's circular. You want me to read the book that tells me about the good news? And I said, well, what you're asking me to do is to read the book of nature to believe what you're saying is the ultimate purpose of our life as well. So you want me to read your book without any reason rhyme, and I'm asking you to read my book without any reason or rhyme. So let's read both of each other's books, and we'll see how it's working out for each other. Read this book. Believe the good news. A second application is if you do believe it, I think you need fresh conviction. Fresh conviction. You need fresh conviction that God's story is continuing in your life and that you need it to continue. You need a fresh to know and believe and pursue all that Jesus began to do and teach so that he and his work will continue in your life. And it's do and teach. So fresh conviction that we need both. We need hands and mouths in the church. We need doers and teachers. 
And each of us needs to be a doer and a teacher in our own way and in our own sphere as well. And finally, the church. We need to be freshly committed to the organization and the organism of the Church of Jesus Christ. I mentioned this earlier, so I'll only touch on it. We are called to be part of the church. That is how Jesus continues to work in the world. Luther, and I agree with him on this, says, I taught, I preached, and I wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. There's a good job description. In conclusion, the world has no shortage of organization, clubs, assemblies, groups, gatherings, think tanks, and movements. But we are the people of God doing the work of God to the glory of God until God returns. And brothers and sisters, he will come back just like he left. And until he does, we have work to do. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. And thank you, Son, Lord Jesus, for willingly and joyfully going even to such a brutal and bloody death. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for taking that marvelous work of redemption and being sent by the Father and the Son into our hearts, by which we have received the deposit of our inheritance, the guarantee that we will be with you forever in heaven. And thank you for telling us in advance that you would send the Spirit and empowering us with this Spirit. Forgive us for our small faith. We are indeed of little faith. Help us to believe that what you began to do and teach, you are continuing in the world today. And we will give you all the glory and praise for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.